our ninth commandment. We've been in this series called Ten Commandments, and we're going through uh, in Exodus chapter 20 when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on the top of the mountain. And we are in the ninth commandment, and it's all about lying. Do not lie. Now, some of you guys may know that uh, I am a recovering addict, and so uh, in the circles of, that I've hung out in, um, there were counselors and, and people who have judgments on, and, on addicts. And one of the old sayings was, uh, how do you know when an addict is lying? And the answer is, whenever he moves his lips, okay? Now, that can be offensive. I'm not offended by it because uh, I can... I can I can testify to that's probably how I was. Uh, every, everything that came out of my mouth was somehow to benefit me or to gain advantage for myself. But it's not just addicts. You could also say, uh, wh- when do you know that a politician is lying? Every time he moves his lips, right? And so, so the crazy thing about our culture is, is we've got the, the, the struggling, the disenfranchised, the low members of society, the addicts who are struggling with lying. Then you've got the upper echelon of society, the, the high end of our culture, the, our leaders, and they lie just as much as these guys do. And so all of you guys are right here in the middle. So how, how do you think that you're doing? Are you any better or any worse? But uh, that means that we all probably struggle with lying. I'm just going to venture to say that we all do and have lied. There isn't a person. I I remember a couple weeks ago we talked about murder, and a lot of us could say, well, I've never murdered anybody, so I'm good. I can tune out on this one. But we found out that uh, actually it's a hard issue uh, and not just the outward action. You see, the when this was delivered to the the, the Israelites, the, the the super religious guys uh, later on, they would only look at it uh, literally, meaning they wouldn't go past that. They wouldn't say, "Well, it says it says not to do this, so I'm going to not do that." And they were legalistic. That's what that means to be legalistic: is to look at a law and to try to follow it to the exact letter and to even make up things to try to make it so you follow that. Um, But here is the ninth commandment. We're going to read it. And at first glance, it doesn't actually say lying. It says, "Do you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, in that sense, it's talking about uh, testifying on a witness stand against someone. But as we see and have seen through all these Ten Commandments that they are so much deeper and more complex than we can even cover in one day. I mean, a lot of these uh, commandments, we could spend weeks on them, especially this one of lying. So I'm going to do the best I can with what time I have to kind of give an overview on what this actually means. Uh, There are some studies done. One study said over a 24-hour period, the average person lies four times. And I don't believe that. I think that's a lie. I think it's. I think people lie more than that. Sixty percent of people can't have a ten-minute conversation without lying. If you guys remember Volkswagen, they lied to us about their emission testing program. Apple last year lied and said they claimed that they use a hundred percent renewable energy to make all their products, and we found out they're lying. I mean, is is that even possible anyway to make? 
those magical contraptions that they make out of renewable energy. I mean, come on. But it's crazy that our culture has come to this point where we think everything's normal. Lying is a normal thing. I mean, we, we, we don't have to teach our kids to lie, right? They just, they grow up and one of the first things they learn how to do uh, is lie. They get in trouble and they say, oh no, it was my brother who did it. It was my sister who did it. We don't have to teach them, but we end up teaching them because uh, as we're coming up on the Christmas season, as grandma gets your, your child a gift and they don't like it, you say, you need to go tell her that you like that gift. And he's like, well, isn't that lying? And you're like, this is okay. You can lie to, to make people feel better. So we teach our kids how to lie, even though we don't need to. Uh, here's what Stephen King says about lying. And I don't normally quote uh, people like Stephen King, but I just wanted to show you where we're at in our culture, what people believe about lies. Um, He says, only enemies speak the truth. Friends and lovers lie endlessly caught in the web of duty. So what he's saying there is, uh, if you're a friend or you love someone, uh, you should be lying to them to make them feel better. This is the duty of man is basically what we believe. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and it's only the mean people, the rude people out there that will speak the truth into your life. But isn't that so contradictory to what we believe, what the Bible has to say? Uh, But we live, again, in a culture. It's not a biblically driven culture. If it ever was, it is not anymore. But we we live where lying is the norm. It's tolerated. It's even elevated to our leaders of the country. And we don't think it's a big deal at all, and we don't hold anybody accountable to it. But that is not how God is. That is not his character. He is a God of justice. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But... I want to explore what this means for Old Testament Israel and for us today, uh, how this is constitute. it goes beyond just false witness, but it's also lying in general. And first, I want to ask the question, what is the definition of lying? Well, Webster tells us to make an untrue statement with the intent to deceive. That is lying. To make an untrue statement with the intent to deceive. Now, we aren't so black and white about lying. We, f- we figure all kinds of ways to lie and to try to get away with it. Like the half truth, half lie, okay? Where we, we tell part of the truth, but we don't want to reveal the whole thing because we don't want to experience the consequences of if I have to reveal the whole truth. So we just tell half the truth. Or we spin things to our advantage. We spin the stories so that uh, we... Uh, mislead people. We don't have to tell them everything. We spin it. We embellish. We embellish by exaggerating. We're not exactly denying the truth, but we're actually going above and beyond the truth, uh, exaggerating. Then there's diverting when we try to get out of a conversation by changing the subject because we just don't want to go there anymore. I don't want anything more to be revealed. And so be honest. Which one of these tactics are you struggling with? Not your spouse. I don't want you elbowing people, poking them in the sides. Not your kids, but you. As we've seen, we all struggle with lying. And so how do you, where, does, where do you fit in there? 
And as we talk about this, just just be thinking about where it is the area that you're struggling uh, with lying. But the question could be asked, uh, isn't it okay to lie sometimes? Again, our culture believes that it's okay to lie if it gets you out of something or if it protects somebody. There's a story in the Bible that actually has a woman named Rahab who in... uh, in the wilderness, when Israel was seeking the promised land, they were going to find their place. They, um, they're going to spy out this land, and a, a prostitute named Rahab uh, hides these spies on her roof when, when the, the, city, the city's uh, soldiers come looking for them. And so she, when they come, they say, have you seen the spies? And she says, no, they went out into the wilderness. So she lies. And good comes out of it because uh, they Rahab, uh, Israel's safe. Uh, they, they get away with taking over this city now. And Rahab is mentioned in the Bible later as a woman of faith. She's praised for her faith. But I just want to say, people use this story and a few other stories in the Bible to say, sometimes it's okay to lie. I myself am more of a black and white person. When I read the Bible, I see boldness, I see truth, I see calling sin for what it is. And I just want you to think about this. Do you really believe that God is so small that she had to lie or a person has to lie in order for God's uh his plan to come about? Do we really believe that we have to sin in order for God's plan to come about? I would say the answer is no, but what God does is he works and he weaves in and through our lives with all of our sin, with all of our mess ups, and he still causes his plan to happen. Why? Not because we're faithful, but because he is faithful. He has a promise and a covenant with us And we break it all the time, but God is not uh, letting us go because he made a promise to us, okay? So I hope you guys go and have huge fights and argue about that in your small groups this week. You should talk about it. Uh, I'm sure that'll be interesting. But uh, I did hear a story of um, a group of Jews who were uh, hiding out in Nazi Germany, Um, the family uh, that owned this house had a, a table that was bolted to the floor and the carpet or the rug was bolted to the floor and there was like a hidden hatch and you had to lift up the table and it would open the floor and you could go down into the cellar to hide. And so when the Nazis came to this house, uh, the man, you know, obviously didn't want to lie. And so they asked, where are the Jews? Where are you hiding them? And and he says, they're under the table. And so <laughs> the... the uh, they, they thought that the guy was crazy, and they just left. So, but he didn't have to lie. He wasn't really technically ri- lying, right? They were under the table. Anyway, so <laughs> what I, I'm making the point is don't ever make the excuse that it's okay to lie. It's, I don't think it's ever okay to lie. Uh, when we lie, we are telling God, I don't trust you. I don't trust that you're going to make the outcome come about that I want out of this situation. So therefore, I'm going to take it into my own hands and I'm going to tell a lie. 
And also, I believe that lying is just selfish. It's just all about me, me, me. How can I get out of something? How can I look good? I mean, we lie so much. We lie to protect ourselves from uh, going to jail. We lie to protect ourselves from getting in fights. We lie to protect ourselves from losing our job. We lie to protect ourselves from getting disciplined from our parents. We lie to our spouses because we don't want to have to get into it with them because they're going to blow it up and make a bigger deal than what you wanted to make out of it. So we, we lie to protect ourselves. And we also lie to promote ourselves. We say, hey, uh, look at me. I'm impressive. Let me tell you this story about me. Uh, we, we, we lie so that people will like us, that they'll respect us. Um, so those are the reasons I believe why we lie. But let's go back again and think about what is this about, first of all, with Old Testament Israel? Why is testifying falsely a big deal? One, because God is a God of justice and he wants justice to come about. And so when you lie, especially in the place of another person or you lie about another person, then God hates it when justice can't happen because God is a God of justice. He wants them to, uh, he wants people to experience the consequences and punishment. If you're guilty and if you're innocent, he doesn't want you to have to experience the consequences of another person. And so that's where justice is blocked. And so you have to remember in these times for someone to testify against someone, that was the biggest way people were convicted in in the law and in courts was by eyewitness testimony. That was the most important thing they didn't have csi they didn't have uh, fingerprint technology dna any of that stuff that would help them surveillance cameras that they could look over it was on the eyewitness testimony of a few people it was so important to keep the integrity in that so that people could get what they deserve and justice could happen that's why this means so much to god in this uh particular setting but as we can see, if we scan the entire Bible, uh, we, will, we will unpack that God hates lying for lots of reasons. And so as I say this, this one sentence can be dug into very deeply. It doesn't just mean in court, but out of court as well. And we're going to explore, you know, why God hates lying. And the first is this, lying is out of step with God's character his very nature now this is basic christianity basic morality you know if something aligns with god and his word it is good if something contradicts god and his word it is bad okay god is the standard for morality good and bad right and wrong it's not our high school textbooks don't teach us truth and error or right and wrong it's not our parents that teach us right and wrong Ultimately, it's not the culture, it's not the news, it's not the media. God is the standard for ultimate, absolute morality, right and wrong. We find it in his word, okay? This is basic. This is why we elevate God's word. God's word is important to us. It's a major doctrine. We believe that God's word is without error, and it's useful for teaching us, and everything we need to know is in God's word, the Bible, okay, in order to get to know God. And it teaches us from right from wrong. So that is the basic uh, gist of God hates lying because it goes completely against his word and against his character. Why? Because number one, God is all about truth. God is a God of truth. It is impossible for God to lie. Here's what Hebrews 6.18 says. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because 
It is impossible for God to lie. Now, why is it impossible for God to lie? Again, it goes completely against his character and against his nature. God would not be God if he could lie. So if God can't lie, that makes him ultimately trustworthy, right? Because when people lie, we can't trust them. If we're liars, we're not really trustworthy. But God, who is without lie, is ultimately trustworthy. And so what that means for us is when we lie, we are going against God, against his word, against his very nature. We are opposing him. And in contrast to being a liar and God being full of truth, Satan, it says in the Bible, John 8, 44, for he is the f- a liar and the father of lies. And so when we're lying, we're acting more like Satan than we are like God. And so now let's think about this for a moment. When we lie, we oppose God. When we lie, we are siding with Satan. We're out of step with God. We are actually actively opposing God when we lie. We're saying, I don't trust you. We're saying, I want you to come down off of your throne. I don't want you to be the God of my life anymore because I believe and trust that my own opinions, my own ideas, or somebody else's out there are better than yours. And so that's what happens every time we lie. We're saying, God, come down off that throne. You are not God. We're opposing him as if we were Satan ourselves. Now, that's pretty heavy there, right? When it comes to lying, we can all say, ah, this is the one that I probably struggle with. You know, if it's not the most, it's one of the top three. Um, But God is a God of truth. And so I'm trying to set the tone for the contrast of where we actually stand in all of this. God is the only one who is without complete error. He is perfect. He is all about truth. But that's not the only thing. God is also about justice, as I said earlier. Let's go back to the Ten Commandments, and we see this whole testimony thing going on, right? Like I explained earlier, when we lie, justice can't happen. We're blocking justice. Uh, People can't get punished. Here, uh, there's a couple of verses, three chapters later, in Exodus, talking about um, this, this testifying falsely in a deeper, greater context. It says, you must not pass along false rumors. You must not cooperate with evil people by lying on the witness stand. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you are called to testify in a dispute, do not be swayed by the crowd to twist justice and do not slant your testimony in favor of a person just because that person is poor. As we can see in these verses, everything is united by this theme of justice. God cares about justice. Lying is a weapon of injustice, okay? So we see that God is a God of truth and a God of justice. It goes completely against his character. And also when we lie, it is not just a personal morality thing. It's not like, oh, this is between me and God. I, You know, I said I fibbed or I made an exaggeration, but I'm not hurting anybody, but this is telling us that yes, when you block justice, you're actually hurting people. Like I said about the child who gets, you know, caught in the wrongdoing, or if he makes a mistake or a mess or steals something or breaks something, you say, who did it? And they lie, and the other kid gets punished for it. Who's ever punished a child who was innocent because of the child lying? Anybody? 
Wow, wow. Well, that's, that, that's hurting the other child, right? When we lie and we blame it on someone else. So have you ever considered how our lies hurt other people and justice can't happen because of that? Well, that's the explanation of how that happens. But that leads me to my second point is that lying isn't just between us and God, but lying actually hurts other people. And if you remember what the Ten Commandments are all about, Jesus explains them to us in the New Testament. To sum them up, the greatest commandments are love God and love people. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the first four commandments are all about loving God, our vertical relationships with God. Now, our horizontal relationship with other people is the last six commandments. And this is where this falls, lying. We are hurting other people. We're breaking that part of the commandment. We're not loving people. Lying is the opposite of love in this context. And it hurts other people. Proverbs 25, 18 says, telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an ax, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Now, before I explain what I think this verse is getting at, there is another way of lying that we do that hurts people, okay? And that's called enabling. It's called codependency, where we know, and if I'll go back to, you know, addiction recovery or something like that, where, where we know that the person needs help, but we're lying for them because we don't want to have to hurt our relationship. We won't tell the truth. Rather, we'll lie for them. We'll let them continue living the way they're living and not speak the truth to them. And that is hurting them. They never, justice never happens. They never have to be accountable. And so therefore they're being enabled to continue to live the way they are living because we're willing to cover and lie for people. That's not good. That's harming them. It may seem like, oh, I'll cover for you this time right now and it'll be all good. You, you may think that that's helping them in the moment, but that's just prolonging and hurting them even more. I know there's a, a code out there, uh, I don't know, like a street code, you know. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but snitches get stitches. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> well, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, it's completely ridiculous. People, justice needs to happen. Now, I'm not going, I'm not saying go tell on everybody you know right now. What I'm saying is... What I'm saying is, is when you are approached with the opportunity to be able to speak truth or justice can happen, you have, a, you have a choice to either follow God or to do what you think the world thinks you should do. And so that is the time when we have to follow and say, am I going to honor God and, and say, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie for you. And, but here's the other thing, and I believe this verse is talking about more, is when we speak lies about people, when we gossip, when we slander, it is very hurtful to people. The Bible is very clear on that, that uh, people's lips can cause all kinds of trouble in a person's life. Think about when, when somebody posts something about another person on Twitter or Facebook, on social media. Those are the types of things that like stir people up and things get started by lies in just a second. Whether it's true or not, all of a sudden you got all these people turning on one person. And, and lies travel so fast around the world while truth uh, 
it takes a lot of effort to get truth out there. Here's what uh, Charles Spurgeon says about lies. It says, a lie can travel halfway around the world while truth is putting on its shoes. And so when we spit lies out there about people, about gossip, about slander, you can't get it back. It's, it's already halfway around the world and truth can't even catch up because lies, lies, this world is like a conduit for lies and sin. It will carry it around the world. It's like blowing a dandelion into the wind. You know, you blow that thing and all the seedlings go and you can't take and put them back. It's dangerous to lie because you're hurting people. Things can't be undone sometimes. This is why God hates lying because it hurts people so much. And sometimes it's, it's, it's almost unending consequence because of the lies. Now, we talked about uh, people who lie to protect themselves or promote themselves. Um, sometimes people lie, let's talk about like in a divorce, the ex-spouse who is bitter will tell lies about the husband or the wife to try to get the kids to like them more, to want them more, to love them more, so that they can gain advantage to get more time. And so what that does is it makes the kids now untrustworthy. If kids are growing up with parents that are always telling lies, then the kids grow up to tell lies. And what happens because of that? They don't trust anybody anymore because if the parents are always telling lies, you can't trust them. Now I believe I can't trust anybody because everybody is lying. And that is the damage that happens when we let lies come out of our mouth. But I'm sure you're standing, okay, you're like, okay. Like, I knew this when I was five years old. Lying's bad. Okay, just Get on with it, please. What am I supposed to do about this? I've tried to quit lying, and I went a couple of days, and then it happened again, you know? All of us can probably say that. But my last point about this is that the only cure for lying is a changed heart. We can't do it on our own, in our own power. Uh, if you've ever tried to quit something in your own power, especially like a sin like lying or an addiction, it never works okay because it's a heart issue it's not a brain issue where i logically will myself to quit doing something it doesn't happen because the bible tells us that we have this heart issue we need our heart replaced we need heart surgery and it's not this mouth issue or the brain issue like i said even though the bible has a lot to say about what comes out of our mouth is important and we should watch that Jesus dug into that further and says, what comes out of our mouth is because what's in our heart. Here's what Jesus says about that in Matthew 15. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander, and these are what defile you. So from our hearts is what comes all these things. And it's interesting that Jesus labels lying among all these other sins, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, slander. It's like we all think that lying is not that big of a deal because of the culture that we live in, right? Our leaders and everybody in between is all doing it. So is it really that bad? But Jesus labels it among some of the, uh, the worst sins that you can think of. And why is that? Because it is a big deal to God. God is a just God. He hates lying. 
okay? So it is a huge deal to God, but here's another thing, that when a heart is given over to lies, when a heart is willing to lie all the time, when a conscience is seared, when a heart is growing cold, then I believe that a person is willing to do any other kind of sin because of lying. Here's what Charles Spurgeon says again about lying. When a heart is untruthful, when honesty is gone from it, then it is prepared to be the seed plot of every evil thing. Any crime is possible to a liar. He who is rotten with falsehood will break at the touch of every temptation. And I believe what he means there is, you know, when a person is given over to much lying, they get used to it. They grow cold. They're callous. Now, all of a sudden, they think they can get away with anything. If I'm a good liar, I'm not worried about the consequences of what happens. If I murder, if I cheat on my wife, if I commit sexual immorality, if I steal, if I slander, there's no more barrier, no more restraint on my life anymore because why? I think I'm a good liar and I can get away with it. Isn't that why people do a lot of the things they do? That one thing that doesn't restrain them anymore, right? A lot of us are restrained from some of this terrible stuff because we know we we won't get away with it, and we know that there's consequences. But when a person is a liar deep down in their heart and they know it, they are willing to do anything, and that's the thing that takes them across the edge. They have a whole plan. I'm going to get away with this. What's that show that uh, talks about? Snapped, right? Snapped, right? Like if you've ever seen that show where someone gets to the point where they, they come up with this evil plan to murder their spouse, and, and they have this plan to try to get away with it. Why do they do that? It's because it started in their heart. Their heart was dark with lying. It could have started from a young age. This is why it's so important to us to understand. And when I talk about heart, the Bible is not talking about um, the thing that beating and pushes blood all around your body. It's talking about the core of your being, your deepest beliefs, your values, what you care about most. And so we struggle because we come into this world caring mostly about ourselves, mostly about our own advantage. How can we get away with things? How can we uh, fulfill the lust of our eyes with the things out there in the world, right? So we have a heart problem. The Bible is trying to help us understand we need a heart transplant and a heart change. And so the remedy for that is Jesus himself. He is the only cure for a lying heart. And what I mean by that is this. Let's go back to God's justice. So God is a just God. And so when we break all these laws of the Ten Commandments, when we go against God, when we lie, cheat, steal, murder, have anger, lust in our hearts, in our minds, the Bible says the wages of those sins... Sin is doing anything against God, breaking God's moral code, okay? When we, when we do that, and the Bible says we all do that, we're all guilty, and it says the wages of that, we earn death, we deserve death because of that, because God's a just God. He wants justice to happen. If you break the law, there should be a penalty for that. And that's good in our eyes, right? We want people to be punished in our society, in our courtrooms. If someone murders your, your daughter or your 
son, you want them to pay for that, right? Justice is a good thing. But if we take it all the way to as far as what about you and what about justice, justice happens when you, your heart's revealed to God. What about God's law? Then something has to happen with that as well. And we all stand guilty before God. And he has to do something about it. But what does he do? Just as much of just as God in his character and nature as justice, he's also a God of love and mercy. And so in order to fulfill his justice, he sends his son to the cross to die the death that we all deserved to take our place so that our sins could be forgiven. So Jesus is born. That's why we celebrate Christmas, right? We make a big deal out of it because what that means for us is when he was born into the world, that means he's our savior. He's our only way for this heart change to happen, for us to be right with God now. Not by works that we do, not by being religious, not by following the Ten Commandments will we be right with God, but by understanding and accepting who Jesus is and the work he has done for me makes me right with God. And then what happens is he starts to change our heart. When a person trusts Jesus, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what happened after Jesus was crucified? He rose again on the third day and he defeated sin and he proved that he defeated death. And he, there, is, there is no more condemnation for those who believe in Jesus and he has victory and he sits at the right hand of the father praying for us and working for us. And he says, when I go, I'm gonna send you my spirit. And in Ezekiel, there was a prophecy about God when he would finally dwell with his people and his spirit would be in his people. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in you and I will cause you to follow my decrees and obey my commands. I will cause you. So there, we try to do these things in our own power and it never works. Why? Because we can't. Our heart is broken and utterly deceitful, the Bible says. That's why we need a heart change and Jesus is the only way to that. So, I know that you're here today and I know you want to be more truthful, a tr more truthful person. Why? Because I know that that's what I want in my own life. The only way for that to happen is to first allow Jesus to come into your life. And then as a Christian, we walk with him and we, we read his word and we pray to him and we understand how much he loves us and we get with his people and we, we study his word together and we serve God and we find out what it says in his word and we do it and we, follow, we look at these 10 commandments not as a, a list of how I have to measure up but as a perfect law, as a God setting boundaries saying this is how I want my people to live, to be truthful, to be honest, to be faithful, to be loving. And that's what we do. We push into God every day. And I know that's hard. I know that's hard. You know, I've met a lot of people, they come in and they just, they trust Jesus. You know, they, they have that moment where they're like, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to raise my hand and I want to do this thing. And, and I see a lot of people actually do that and they move on they get baptized and they 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 go on to serve serve the lord with all their heart but i also see people who do that and then eventually fall off and they're in and out and in and out and 
I'm, I'm here to tell you that that was me. I was the one that didn't just spring up and start doing things for God right off the bat. I fell off time and time again. But when I finally started to get into God's word and understand and to be around his people, my life started to change. And so if that's what you need, you're in the right place today, I believe. Please make some connections. Meet some people before you go. And if you're here today and you haven't trusted Jesus, you can do that today. You can stand right where you are and say that I'm a sinner. I believe that you did what it took to save me. So if you would, as I close, would you please pray with me, pray along with me. Father, we come to you today knowing that we've gone against you, that we have opposed you ever since we can remember we were lying we were doing things for our own advantage, for our own gain. And Lord, here as adults today, teenagers, whatever, even as children, we still struggle with this. And we just come to say, I'm sorry. We can't quit doing this on our own. But thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross so that I could be forgiven of all this and that I could have a chance and I could have a new nature that would empower me to follow you and do what is right. I pray that for everyone here today. I pray that if there are people here that haven't confessed Jesus as Lord, that they would do that here and now where they're sitting, that they would tell the truth to you. I pray for those of us who have known you for a while, Lord, but struggle off and on, God. I pray that you would help us to develop habits and disciplines that help us to be accountable to people and to grow closer to you. God, I ultimately thank you for loving us even when we are unfaithful, even when we mess up, and we know and trust that your, what you did on the cross covers our sins from here on out but help us to not want to do that anymore. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.